The first thing is first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. Big day here at WJR. Parker Moser, Jason Fissler, are you ready for 15 hours of nonstop radio here for the Mitch Album Say Detroit Radiothon? Absolutely. I think it's going to be a great day. Our good uh, buddy Blake just walked into the studio. He's bright-eyed, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to go. Woo! At, you know, ask Blake what kind of energy drinks he likes. Maybe I'll bring him some up because he's got he's got a long day. He is going yeah. to be on uh, duty from 6 a.m. when this whole thing starts until 9 p.m. when it's over. And uh, last year, the record was $1.86 million. I'm going to put the challenge out there right now. We're going to do $2 million today. Every year we do more, and uh, that's the next logical milestone. So uh, I'm putting it out there to, to our listeners who are very generous, and uh, every time we do a Radiothon, we, we raise a ton of money. So everyone settle in. Um, you know, I'm, I'll be in later on if you guys need, like, a pizza or a, um energy drink or something. Uh, call somebody else, but I'll be Breakfast of champions, no, yes. <laughs> right. Uh, I've got a lot to talk to you guys uh, about after the 5.30 news, but I'm going to get through this mountain of other news first. Oh, by the way, I, I, I did want to pass this along to you. Uh, so, you know, we, we did hear about... Jim Harbaugh receiving a $500,000 bonus for beating Ohio State. Well, for winning the uh, Big Ten East after beating Ohio State. And he wasn't even on the sideline. And uh, we were wondering what he was going to do with that money. And and by the way, since his three-game suspension, he's actually um, earned $2 million in bonuses. Uh, $500,000 um, for beating Ohio State for the Big Ten East. Got another $1 million bonus for winning the Big Game, uh, Big Ten championship game against Iowa, and another five hundred thousand for making the college football playoffs. And uh, he is going to be splitting that among all the coaches that filled in for him. But I really hope that uh, Sharon Moore gets the biggest bonus because he had to go through Penn State and Ohio State. You know, he wasn't he wasn't be, uh, beating the non conference schedule there. Yeah, you're hoping he gets uh, at least a good eighty percent of that. Well, yeah, I, I I think so, because he was coaching for, what, four of the six games Harbaugh was suspended for? Yes. So, yeah. And, and here's the other thing. I wonder if other programs are looking at Sharon Moore. Sharon Moore? I believe it's, I think uh, I think Harbaugh called him Sharon Moore, so that's what I'm going to call him. Um, I'm wondering if other programs are looking at him, or, you know, maybe Michigan's holding on to him in case Harbaugh jets for the NFL. But I think uh, I, I think that his stock has gone up quite a bit in the coaching world. Oh, absolutely, and I guarantee you there are people looking at him. Yeah. And, and there's and always nothing, somebody looking, <laughs> right. players, coaches, whatever. Right, and if, and if nothing else, he'll make a little extra money this holiday season. I, I would say he he's definitely earned it. Uh, two mass shootings in less than 48 hours yesterday, a suspect opened fire on the campus of the University of Las Vegas, Nevada, UNLV, killing at least three people. First calls were made to 911 around 11.45 in the morning local time. UNLV, they then posted about the shooting a few minutes later on their Twitter X page advising students to run, hide, and fight, and that it was not a drill. By 1232, police confirmed that the suspect who has been identified as a 67-year-old white man 
had been located and deceased. Camp is just a few miles away from the Mandalay Bay Casino Resort. If you remember that, that there was that mass shooting at that country music festival, killing 58 people back in 2017, one of the worst mass shootings in American history. Tuesday, six people were killed, three injured, including two police officers, when a gunman went on this really odd eight-hour multi-city shooting spree. It started about uh, 10.40 in the morning, Austin time, when an Austin Independent School District officer was shot in the leg while he was patrolling Northeast Early College High School. Luckily, no students were injured there. Then right before noon, Austin police, they got a number of calls for what turned out to be a double homicide of a man and a woman in a home. And then just before 5 p.m., bicyclist was shot in another part of Austin. 6.48 in the evening, Austin police, they got a call about a burglary at a residence. The police show up about 6.54. They exchange gunfire with the suspect. The suspect flees. They give chase. They arrest him about 7.14. When police entered that residence, they found another man and woman murdered. And then... Uh, the suspect, he's been identified as 34-year-old Shane James. He's former military with a history of mental illness. Police searched his residence about 80 miles away um, in San Antonio, I believe. They found another man and woman deceased inside his residence, and those victims are believed to be his parents. So what a what a tragic, odd um shooting spree that was i mean it's uh usually these these things are neutralized at the first location and for this to go on for eight hours all over the city is just bizarre senate republicans voted down billions of dollars of ukrainian aid yesterday after joe biden made an afternoon address from the white house calling on both houses of congress to pass it and i gotta say i'm not sure what people think is going to happen if we stop sending money over to ukraine i mean if if russia conquers ukraine they're not just going to stop there. There's not going to be no consequences. Poland is right next door. Poland is a NATO ally. If Russia attacks a NATO ally, the United States has to get involved militarily as part of the pact. So at that point, instead of just spending money, now we're sending our kids over there to fight and die when we could have just sent money. So I hope they get this figured out before Russia makes significant gains over there. Uh, we're getting more information on a tense meeting between Benjamin Netanyahu and families of hostages and a few of the hostages who have been freed earlier this week. Some leaked audio came out. Number of the free hostages, they erupted in anger at Netanyahu, saying that at times they were more afraid of Israeli airstrikes killing them than Hamas. Another freed hostage um, who was freed with her child but had to leave her husband behind told the prime minister and members of his war cabinet that they felt like no one was doing anything for them while, while another accused them of having intelligence on where the hostages are, but we're more concerned with bombing Gaza. There's also concern raised about hostage safety when it comes to that uh, tentative plan for Israel to flood out the tunnels under Gaza. Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard, he's heading up this brand new task force of more than 30 law enforcement agencies. Southeast Michigan Collaborate, Arrest and Prosecute, or SEMCAP for short. Um, they got together to combat 30 to 40 reported break-ins at high-end homes in Birmingham, Bloomfield Township, Gross Point, all in the span of the last three months. The robberies are believed to be the work of a highly trained, highly organized gang from Chile. Bouchard said in a press conference yesterday that the group uses jammers to disable security systems. So if your wireless network is acting out of the ordinary and something seems odd, he advises, he, he advises you to call the local police department. He says, don't call us if, if your internet goes out, 
But if it's acting strange and out of the ordinary, uh, just give them a call and they'll send a, you know, a, a squad car around. Uh, three suspects have been arrested trying to rob a jewelry store. In a News Nation debate, four of the 2024 GOP candidates took to the stage in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Fox's Brian Yennis is there with more. Uh, Ambassador Nikki Haley had the momentum as the alternative choice to the frontrunner, former President Trump. And on stage, unsurprisingly, she was at the center of an onslaught of attacks from Governor Ron DeSantis on issues like China and transgender issues, but also, most notably, most harshly, by Vivek Ramaswamy, who attacked her personally as a corrupt neocon. But at some point, former Governor Chris Christie stepped up and defended Haley against some of these attacks, calling her an accomplished woman. Former Ambassador Nikki Haley had the momentum as the alternative choice to the frontrunner former. Oh, you said that already. OK. Um, yeah, it, it was quite obvious that Nikki Haley was seen as the frontrunner. I mean, the first 18 minutes of the debate was Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis ganging up on her. Chris Christie didn't even get his first question in until about eight minutes, 18 minutes into the debate. And uh, the other thing that was obvious to me was Vivek Ramaswamy was definitely posturing for some kind of position within the Trump administration. He came off as a bully and kind of childish at times. He kept asking Nikki Haley to name three provinces in eastern Ukraine like he was having an online argument on a message board or something. And then, uh, as you heard, Chris Christie stepped in and told him off. And then that's all I remember. I got to be honest. I didn't get through the whole thing. First thing, Mike Parsons, WJR. And we're about a half hour away from 15 hours of Mitch, Kenny, Rosie, Kevin, Ed, um, for the 12th annual Mitch album, Say Detroit Radiothon. And uh, this thing is just an absolute behemoth every year. I mean, just about... Every famous person you you can think of, every Detroit celebrity that has uh, ties to to the city, they make an appearance. Smokey Robinson's going to be there. Hugh Jackman, who fell in love with the area when he was here filming a movie, he's going to stop by like always. Alice Cooper, Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan. I heard that Dan Campbell might be stopping by and uh, members of the University of Michigan football team. Uh, I don't think Harbaugh is set to uh, show up, but... Jason Parker, I would love to hear those two guys on the microphone together at the same time. Yeah, it would definitely be it would definitely be a, a interesting conversation. You know, getting two of the biggest people in Michigan football right now on the well, mic. It, it would be a fun show. And they're such huge personalities too, at different personalities. I don't know. I, I like to hear them do like a podcast in the off season, but uh, nonetheless, keep this phone number handy: eight five five. Nine five five four four eight three, and if you're driving or you can't remember phone numbers uh, to save your life, like me, MitchAlbumRadioThon.com. You can go there to donate. There's going to be a whole bunch of great stuff they're auctioning off. Last year they raised one point eight million dollars, close to one point nine million dollars, and I'm putting out the challenge. Uh, to our listeners, let's break two million dollars this year for the and Sea Detroit Charities. If we and if we don't break two million. Coach Campbell's going to be biting some kneecaps. So that's right. He, he's going to he's going to look. That. He's going to open the books. He's going to find out who in Detroit <laughs> has not given, and uh, he's going to he's going to show up at your house and give you one last chance to donate before he bites your kneecaps. That's a great idea, Jace. <laughs> All right. So I'm sure you guys heard by now. Taylor Swift was named Times Person of the Year, and here's who she beat out. She beat out the Hollywood Strikers, Chinese President Xi Jinping. 
OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, Sam Altman uh, the Trump prosecutors, Barbie. Barbie had a big How year. How did she beat out Barbie? Well, here's the thing. Barbie had a moment, but but Taylor Swift was 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 everywhere. That's I am true. glad Taylor Swift beat out Putin. What the heck is that guy doing on the list? <laughs> uh, King Charles and Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve. Gentlemen, do you think they got this right? And if not, who do you think should have uh, won Times Person of the Year? No, they completely got it right. Um, I I did look at the list yesterday, and I saw how much, the like you said, Barbie had a moment, mm-hmm. and that movie brought in a lot of money. But Taylor Swift is everywhere. She's now, uh, you know, you can see her on NFL games, broadcasts, and so, yeah. You can't look away. Her to- her era's tour is, is going to break a bunch of records, too, as right. a, a, a concert movie that's going to make the most money. So, yeah, it was a good choice. I think the most uh, the hardest part to get around is the people that she was up against because you, you you hear the name person of the year you expect everyone involved to be good people and then when they aren't it's like well yeah I mean it kind of has to be Taylor Swift you don't really have anyone else on that list that you would want to be named the person of the year that's a good per- that's I, that's a good that's a good point plus I was thinking Barbie but Barbie's not even a real person. Right. Um, well, and Parker, I had the same thought. Like I said, what the heck is freaking Putin doing on this list? But I guess it's not necessarily humanitarian award. It's just who's who's affected the world the most for better or for worse. And uh, I mean, Taylor Swift, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people roll their eyes because she's a singer. But I, I think we need to stop looking at her as like this 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 pop princess passing fad. She's been at this for like 20 years. Before it's all said and done, she's probably going to be at Michael Jackson level. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to hear because we're we're in the moment. But uh, if she's not there, she's going to get there. I mean, Jerome she single-handedly pa- tripled the price of uh, Travis Kelsey jerseys. That's pretty powerful. Well, it's funny you say that because um, Jerome Powell, who's on this list in the Federal Reserve, they've actually referenced her as an economic factor for 2023. Um, you know, not only did her heiress tour bring in so much money for her. It was a miniature economic stimulus for every tour stop she made because, you know, when, when you and I go to concerts, we, you know, we, we might drive into the city, we might have dinner beforehand, and then we drive home. People were getting hotel rooms, meaning they were having lunch, dinner, they were going out for drinks after, they were waking up in the morning and they were having breakfast. So she was like she was like this economic force multiplier because people turned her concert into events. And I couldn't even imagine what the cheapest ticket price for this tour would be. Right, because I mean bands who I bands who I used to see when I was a kid, like Blink One Eighty Two for twenty dollars, they were going for two hundred. So I don't even want to know uh, how much a Taylor Swift um, concert ticket costs. But um, the other one, I, br- I brought this up the other day. If you're going to put the Hollywood Strikers on there, I think you got to put the UAW Strikers on there, and at least Sean Fain. Because the UAW strike, even the UPS strike, um, I feel like that had a larger impact on more people than the writers' actors' strike. I'm glad they got a good deal, but uh, I, I don't know. That, that seems a bit vapid to me, but that's just me. Um, but again, I'm just glad Putin didn't win. Um, so 
GM yesterday, uh, they are ordering the majority of their 43,500 salaried workers back to the office come January. GM CEO Mary Barris, he sent out an email Tuesday morning, and it said, at the start of the year, we asked hybrid employees to be in the office three days a week in order to drive the greatest impact. However, adherence has been mixed. We are now explicitly requesting hybrid employees to be on site beginning January 8th, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, at a minimum. Senior leaders will continue to have more flexibility, yada, yada, yada. And my question is, what does drive the greatest impact mean? I mean, do you guys remember back uh, during the pandemic and and all these companies were having a hard time, um, you know, staffing their, uh, you know, their businesses and people working from home and they're like, oh, hey, no problem. Uh, you're just as productive as home at home as you are in the office. Maybe we'll make this thing a permanent thing. Uh, we, we might not even make people come back to the office ever. And then once the pandemic was over and these businesses got a little bit of leverage, now they're like, you come back, you come back to the office or find yourself a new place to sell paper. Right, which is ridiculous because why would you – and I know at the time – you know, it was easier for people to stay home and it was comfortable and they're telling, but come on. And and then now you're like, well, oh, you now you have to come back. Right. And there's a lot there's a lot of jobs that I still think. I mean, obviously, people can stay at home and be just as productive. But um, we always thought I, well, I at least I always thought it's like, well, that's going to you know, you're going to be able to, um, you know, not have as much office space. Uh, companies will save money on that, you know, with people staying at home. But. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, oh, now you got to come back. Well, and, and it always seems like the people, the only people who say that it's better to be back in office are like management and corporate. You never hear the actual people doing the work saying that it's better for them to uh, come back to the office because people got used to it. And obviously there was there's some questions um, if, if people continue to work from home or hybrid. Obviously there was concern of a office space bubble kind of like the real estate crash back in 08. Um, but, but, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's really kind of funny just, just how quickly th- this has changed and, and right. how quickly, um, you know, these companies kind of went back on their work from home policy. I do think it was short sighted though. The people who <laughs> during the pandemic, they were working remotely and they, it, it, and they bought like a house, like five States away. I, it, it does right, seem like yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that that was a bit short sighted to me. But, um, yeah, I, I, I and all the trends and all the graphs show that probably by the end of 2024, definitely by the end of 2025, uh, most people will be back in the office. Uh, just about everyone um, will be called back who is working from home. Back so. to normal. Back. Yeah. Back hey, to real normal. Real quick cool, before cool. you break, Mike, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour average ticket price. $1,088. That's why inflation is so dang high. <laughs> that's that's also why our age group is broke, Jason. Exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I've ranted multiple, multiple times about uh, uh, about how we need to stop paying. If we want to stop being charged high ticket prices, we got to stop paying high ticket prices. But I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to uh, go on that rant. Uh, real quick before we break, I got a list of the most searched articles on Wikipedia in 2023. You guys want to guess uh, what was number one or at least what was on the list? And you can't say Taylor Swift because we just talked about her. 
Obviously, she's on this list. Searched articles. Ooh. Better not, that better not be your keyboard Googling, Jace. I don't know. I kind of want to say the Roman Empire, but I might be biased there. <laughs> right. There was that big trend where uh, women were asking their men how often they uh, think about the Roman Empire, and we always said we think about it every day. I'm surprised, I'm, Park. That, that is not on the list. I'm going to throw one out there, uh, not Googling, um, something maybe about student loans. You know what? That would make sense. And I do not see it. Um, it. At least it wasn't on the top 25. Right. It, it might be. Um, so number one was chat GPT. Um, and this is obviously an international list. Number two, deaths in 2023. Number three, the 2023 Cricket World Cup, which I would not have guessed if you gave me a thousand guesses. Unless I was no. trying to be funny and random. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back. We'll be getting you ready for the 12th annual Say Detroit Mitch Album Radiothon. It's first thing, Mike Parsons. FBI Director Christopher Wray rang the alarm at a Senate hearing this week that the threat of terrorism is at an all-time high since the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel. Andy Arena, Executive Director of the Detroit Crime Commission and former FBI Special Agent in charge of Detroit, lends his insight to Tom Jordan on All Talk. There are more terror threats right now against the United States than ever before. Did you hear that yesterday? FBI Director Christopher Wray, he's telling the Senate Judiciary Committee that the heightened state of terror threats in the United States is unprecedented. He's never seen anything like this. Uh, the level of danger, he says, is similar to right before 9-11, except worse. Uh, these are galleries of terrorists inspired by Hamas, the call for attacks against this country, the United States. Let's learn more about this from Andy Arena, the executive director of the Detroit Crime Commission and former FBI special agent in charge of Detroit. Uh, Andy, good to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Tom, good morning. So Christopher Ray said yesterday that sometimes there are elevated threats with you know, like lone wolf actors. Sometimes there are elevated threats with known terror groups or terrorist cells within the United States. Sometimes it's domestic, sometimes it's foreign. But right now, he says, uh, what Christopher Ray said yesterday, is that all of those scenarios are highly elevated at the exact same time. Uh, that's concerning. Do you agree with what the FBI director said yesterday? Well, Tom, I certainly don't have access to the intel like I used to, but I would I would suspect that he's, he's dead on here. I think that, you know, all of the anger in the world, particularly in this country, and then I think you layer on, uh, the uh, the terrorist attack against the Israeli people, um, coupled with the Israeli uh, military actions in Gaza, I think that it's certainly uh, kind of turned the heat up on that anger around the world. And, um, you know, a lot of that is certainly focused on the United States because of our our support for Israel, but also just our, our lifestyle, who we are and our freedom. I think that really angers a lot of these extremist organizations. So, you know, we become naturally a, a target for that anger. Yeah, and I, I know the, lots of places in the world don't like the United States kind of poking our noses in, in their business, so to speak. Uh, but that that being as it may, um, there's still a, an elevated threat, and I wonder how much propaganda plays into this elevation. What do you think? Well, I think that's a huge part of it, and I think the, the use of social media, Tom, really – uh, assist these organizations, you know, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, Osama bin Laden and, 
and Al Qaeda, you know, they would put out these videos, and you know, over the years, these organizations have, have really stepped up their propaganda machine, and you know, people like Anwar Awlaki and ISIS, and you know, they really, really mastered the, the the use of social media to to get their message out there and to get the propaganda out there. You know, they're able to recruit and radicalize people online now. So, you know, you've got the the organized uh, uh, attack by a terrorist organization coupled with a lone wolf who is just, you know, radicalized online decides to act on their own. So, you know, I think it's uh, it's really, really up to threat, uh, particularly here in the United States. It's a, it's amazing to me to see what is happening on social media and the credence that more people in this country are giving to people like Osama bin Laden when he put out that message as to why he felt it was necessary and good to attack the United States on 9-11. You know, 20 years ago, we thought this guy is a danger. He's a terrorist. Nowadays, on social media, we have young people in this country giving people like Osama bin Laden, the late Osama bin Laden, credence and credibility. And then we hear that Christopher Ray said, listen, we're seeing a lot of the same things happening Right now, just like we saw right before the attacks of 9-11, uh, being that's the case, what measures do you think the FBI, the CIA, Homeland Security needs to implement to avoid um, a similar situation like 9-11? Well, I think the, the, the first thing is uh, what they're doing is getting that message out there and leaning forward. Uh, not just the FBI and the federal intelligence community, but, but lo- local law enforcement and, and the American people. You know, Tom, I just before I, before I came on with you, I was reading an, uh, an article, I think, in the Detroit News uh, about the menorah lighting uh, right. tomorrow night downtown Detroit. And, you know, and, and you know, law enforcement and intelligence and in the Crime Commission, I mean, we're involved in, in helping to, to look at intelligence and see what is out there. So, you know, looking for that intelligence and sharing it is certainly a huge step in, in making sure that, that uh, nothing bad happens. Yeah, that that's concerning. And I know that even some menorah lightings, like in Virginia, they have been canceled because of this Israeli-Hamas conflict. You, you can make the argument, oh, it's for, you know, security, or maybe it's because they just don't like the idea. And there's a rise in anti-Semitism that is, uh, that is happening right now in this country and around the world. Um, in at the same time, though, we have this, this significant... Uh, threat of foreign terrorism on U.S. homeland security. Um, what do you think? I mean, uh, Christopher Ray said it's not just he's it's not just foreign terrorists. It's maybe some people inside our own country. What do you think that the average American like myself should be paying the most attention to? Well, I think we got we got to be paying attention to our to our our family members, our neighbors. I mean, if we see something strange, if we start to hear uh, a rise in anti-Semitism from them, or uh, you know, listen. Where does free speech time cross over to uh, to action? Right, it, it's it's kind of sometimes a gray a gray area. You can say just about anything you want in this country up to a limit, but you know, are, are you going to act on it? Uh, but if you see somebody who's becoming radicalized, as you said, they're they're on social media, they're not double checking this stuff. They're taking it at face value. Uh, that's indoctrination, right? As you said, that's propaganda. Uh, and that's a really, really dangerous thing. And you look back in history to Nazi Germany and you know other, uh, uh, you know uh, other uh, instances like that. It can lead to really bad things. So uh, you know we we just have to really be aware of our situation, all of us, our environment we live in, and and any changes we see. Really trying, really trying times now. 
How closely does the FBI monitor, you know, some of these protests, which sometimes become violent, but at the very least, they are verbally threatening in some of these vulnerable areas. You've got university protests and whatnot, edu- educational campaigns that, um, I don't know, indoctrinate those who are listening to them. Does the FBI pay a lot of attention to this? So they have to be very careful because of the First Amendment, right? Um, right. You know, the flip side of that is, hey, is the FBI spying on the American people? And, and there's a history of that. You know, back in the 1960s and early 1970s, uh, the COINTEL pro- program. Um, you, you know, so the FBI has to be very, very, very careful. They have to have some kind of reasonable suspicion um, that something bad is going on. And then they can take a look. You know, we, they just can't go on fishing expeditions for social media, even if it's out there. In, in the public realm, um, you know, they can't be out there just willy-nilly looking around. They have to have some reason, some reasonable suspicion to, to be doing that. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really, it's a real tight role. It is, uh, but they got to pay attention because it's just one small step, isn't it? Uh, we appreciate your time. Andy Arena, Executive Director of the Detroit Crime Commission and, of course, former FBI Special Agent in charge of uh, Detroit. Andy, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. And former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy yesterday, he announced that he will resign from Congress at the end of the year. Not that he's going to finish out his term and not run for a re-election. He is straight up waiting till the end of the year, and then he's saying, see ya. Uh, and I guess I don't blame him. I mean, he's had a very bizarre year. He was obviously elected to Speaker of the House in January after a contentious campaign. Then he was voted out in October because of the Freedom Caucus. And uh, this comes a day after Patrick McHenry, who became Speaker Pro Temp for a brief period of time after McCarthy was ousted and before uh, Speaker Johnson was um, uh, elected permanently. Um, he was uh, he, he, he served in that role after McCarthy was ousted um, and McCarthy ran for about uh, he served nine terms in Congress, and that is coming to an end. I think uh, that's not much of a surprise that he's not running again, but it's a little shocking that he won't fi- finish out the term. And we are just minutes away from Mitch Album's 12th annual Say Detroit Radiothon. It has raised uh, $12.5 million nearly uh, since the first one back in 2012. We're going to be on from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., 15 hours. Um, and this is kind of cool. If you have a Mitch Album fan in your life, um, you can go visit the broadcast location at the Northside Grand Court at Somerset. You can buy an autographed copy of his new book, The Little Liar, and uh, all those proceeds will go uh, towards the State Detroit uh, Partnership of Charities. And uh, you get your shopping done and do some good. Um, last year, like I said, um, they raised $1.8 million. Let's break $2 million. And uh, you're going to be hearing this phone number all day, 855-955-4483, or go to MitchAlbumRadiothon.com. And here's Mitch previewing the event with Guy Lloyd and Jamie on JR Morning. So Say Detroit has now been around, uh, gosh, we're heading towards 20 years. I think we're 17, 18 years old. Um, we have about nine separate charitable operations underneath the umbrella, starting from children five days old all the way up to senior citizens. We run the State Detroit uh, Play Center up at Lipke Park, which takes care of like 300 kids a day for after school and, and learning programs. We have the State Detroit Family Medical Clinic, the first clinic in the country for homeless children, now takes care of entire families. 
We have our bicycle factory where we uh, employ uh, a number of people in the area to build and refurbish bicycles that we then supply to people in need in the city. We've got veterans programs, senior citizens programs, uh, food programs, homeless programs, uh, our working homes, working families program where we give out houses that Mm -hmm. we refurbish to uh, needy families. And if they pay the taxes and utilities for two years, they get the house. And we'll be doing that again tomorrow. So it's a pretty broad spectrum, uh, but let's just say it takes care of everybody in, in need in Detroit, and 100% of the money we raise goes right to the causes. And Mitch, uh, I'm sure you always have a great list of uh, dignitaries and entertainers who are participants in the Radiothon every year. Yeah, I, I, this is when I call in every favor from everybody I've ever met. Uh, <laughs> they're getting used to it at this point. Hugh Jackman, Smokey Robinson, Hoda Kotb, uh, Blake Corum is going to join us this year, and a couple of guys from the Michigan team, uh, Dan Campbell and Jared Goff from the Lions, musical acts from Gino Vanelli all the way across the board, sports stars, movie stars, uh, just, just uh, you know, they're all, they all call in to, to give a shout-out. But honestly, Lloyd and, and, and everybody, uh, the interviews that we have with all those famous people who call in, they're, they're fun and they, you know, mm-hmm. They're, they're interesting, but it's the interviews we have with the clients who we who come out there who were formerly homeless, who now have a home, formerly addicted, who are now straightened out, the kids who didn't have an opportunity, who now do. They're the ones who always steal the show. Yeah. You know, they, they're the ones who make people cry, and they're the ones who make people give. You know, and mm-hmm. last year we were able to raise $1.8 million in a day, which is was unheard of, un, unprecedented. And I, I keep saying that the amazing team that I have who helps us, um, we're setting the bar too high. Because, you know, <laughs> one of these years we're going to say, well, we didn't do what we did last year, but even if we don't do what we did last year, it'll still be an amazing, amazing injection to help Detroiters. So you, you bring up the, the real life guests. You've got this charity that's 70, 17 years now in existence. It's not the services, it's the lives you touch with the services. So have you heard from people whose lives you've touched maybe a decade, decade and a half ago that say, yeah, you don't know me, but when I was this many years old, you did this, that this program helped me. Have you heard from those people? And can you give me just one really great anecdote that you said, you just go, wow. Um, Well, um, yeah, I could give you a thousand of them, but I know you don't have time for it. I'll tell you one that's sort of a hybrid of that. There's a man named Daryl Woods who was in prison uh, for 29 years uh, for something that he didn't do. And when we were made aware that he was set free, uh, we got in touch with him because we were going to do a program right at the same time after all the George Floyd stuff happened. And we had an idea to create these events where uh, plainclothes police officers, you know, who were not identifiable and former gang members, former incarcerated people, at-risk youth got together to grill food and then ate together. And then only after they ate together did they introduce themselves to one another, they had no idea who they all were, to try to foster this, you know, relationship between police and, and citizens at risk and stop making everything so contentious. And he came in and started that program, and it has been one of the most successful things State Detroit has ever done. It's called wow. Better Together. We have done dozens and dozens of things, and he coordinates all of it. And he stands up at the end and says, all right, let's introduce everybody. Where, where are you? And he starts with the ones who were, you know, well, I just got out of prison, or I'm trying to get my life together. And then he says, and you, sir? And he says, well, I work for the city. 
oh, really, what do you do? I'm a police officer. <laughs> and, you know, half the people at the table want to get up and run, you know, but, yeah. but they don't because he lived it, you know, and he was in prison and he, he managed to have a forgiving, you know, heart and, and to turn his life around. And he lives it every day. And, and we are proud to call him part of St. Detroit.